Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. <laughs> Having a great time. and You guys got an incredible church, beautiful church. I just texted your pastor from the front row. I was like, man, I am moving here in the winters. And how many know they don't make people like me for climates like this? I'm the guy on the beach with the turtleneck because I am very pale. And uh, anyway, it's great to be here with you on uh, behalf of Hillsong Church. We just became Hillsong Church a few weeks ago. Uh, my wife and I, we moved to Kansas City nine years ago. Uh, just to plant a church. We did it the old school way. We like started in our apartment, awkwardly meeting people at coffee shops, begging them to come to church or the Bible study, and God's begun to build it from there. And uh, It's been amazing to be adopted into Hillsong Church as well and to be a part of Hillsong family. I love your pastors. Oh my gosh, like Alex to me really is like a brother. Uh, in fact, when we were talking about the transition, should I, this Hillsong thing, he was the second, besides the guy I look up to as a pastor in my life, he's the second person I talk to about it. Uh, he is truly a hermano to me, and uh, that's as much as you're going to get today. And uh, so you're awesome. So we're among family here. I am the redheaded stepchild that you did not want. And uh, speaking of fam- my family, they're back in KC. My wife is holding it down from the pulpit. I think there's a picture there is downtown Kansas City in all of its lack of glory. And uh, there's my beautiful wife, Liz, my daughter, Blair, who is an angel. That is Graham. You would think that's a sweet moment. He's probably trying to hurt her because he needs deliverance in Jesus' name. Awesome. Amazing. How many of you came expecting to hear something from God? I don't have, uh, I don't have a word that can change your life, but I do have the word of God that you can build your life upon, and the Spirit of God is here. How many of you like to spend a little time with Jesus? Anytime we open up the Bibles, that's exactly what we're doing. John 1, He is the Word that became flesh and dwelt among us. So anytime we get into this thing, we get time with Him. That will revolutionize the way you look at your Word. It is Old Testament and New, the foreshadowing and the coming of Him. It is Jesus Himself who wants to speak with us. And One word from heaven can change your life. It, uh, pastoring the church that I've been pastoring for eight years now, uh, it, it's crazy. There are people going through the exact same, same situation, the exact same kind of crisis, sitting on the same row. One of them gets the word they need, the other one does not. And it's the power of leaning in. And I don't have anything that can truly help you, but I know the one who can, and we're going to look at what he wants to say to you. And I do believe this. Maybe you're brand new to the church, maybe you've been coming for a while. God has something unique just for you. Do you believe that? Can we pray? Let's get our hearts ready. This is not just a warm-up. This is not the little prayer we pray over our meal. This is a place of preparation for heaven to come invade your life. Do you believe that? Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We need you. There's people from all different walks, all different situations, all different struggles, all different triumphs in this room. People brand new to church today. People that have been coming for a decade plus, and yet you love us all, and you want to meet with all of us. And like, like only your Holy Spirit can. You can custom-made, tailor-made the, the message to touch the place in their heart where they need you. Let the Word come alive to us. Let us not be hearers of the Word. Let's be people that put it into action. And even though we might not know everything we're supposed to do, when we know you, we know the one who's going to direct our steps. And Lord, we thank you that you're taking us somewhere great. In Jesus' name, we love you. We celebrate you. Come on, can we say amen together? Amen, amen. amen. Isaiah 
43. Very well-known passage of Scripture. Been in church at all for a while. Thank you for making me sound better than I really am. I appreciate that. Isaiah 43, really well-known, especially at the beginning of the year. This is like the verse we always go to. Pastors, we just got that one, you know, that little trump card in our pocket. I can't say trump card anymore. You got that special message in your pocket that you pull out at any time where you need it. And Isaiah 43 would be like the New Beginnings one. You might have heard it before, like, hey, open your eyes. Can you not see it? Can you not perceive it? I'm doing something new. Away in the wilderness, I'm bringing a fresh river in the dry places, in the desert places. But before we get to the new, the, God speaking to the prophet Isaiah actually says there's some things you're going to have to go through right now. In other words, before you get to the place where I turn the barren into something beautiful, you're going to have some barriers that are going to come up against you. And this is the thing they don't always tell you when you first give your life to Jesus. The truth is, we get to taste and see that the Lord is good. We get to have a, a change. We were once dead in our sin, now we're alive in Christ. And man, how many, how many member, people remember when you first gave your life to Jesus? It was like a wide open space. It was amazing. But a lot of you stayed the same. And then life was still difficult. You still had adversity. You still had some situations that were struggles in your world and in your life. In fact, I think anytime you choose to live big for God, you can expect some resistance to come against you. And what the prophet says here is before you get to all the new beautiful things God wants to do, you're going to have to experience him in a place and, and, and meet him in a place of even of some struggle and some situations. In fact, before we get to Isaiah 43, 16, we go to verse 2. It says, when you pass through the waters. In other words, when you're crossing the flooded plain, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Then verse 18 says, hey, forget everything that you've been through. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making away in the wilderness and then streams in the wasteland. The interesting thing there is the beginning is talking about what you're going through, what you're facing before you get to all the new things of what God is going to do. But it says when you walk through the fire, when you walk through the waters, it doesn't say if, it says when. How many know trouble and adversity is a part of this life, even for the believer, even for the faithful servant of God, even if you've been living right and, and, and loving God, loving people, even for the givers, even for the, the people on the team here at Calvary, life has some struggles and some situations and some adversity. It happens to us all. In fact, the Bible says that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them Oh, and I don't know what your struggle and adversity is. I do know that your Lord is a deliverer. I do know that something great is on the horizon. But I do want to speak to you today who can't see the new thing of what God is wanting to do in your world or in your life because the now thing that you are walking through when you're right in the middle of it. That's what I'm going to speak on, in, in the middle of it. I do not know what your it is. I do not know what you are facing. I do know it will come to all of us. Jesus said, in this life, you will have many trials. I'm glad he doesn't leave us there. Many troubles. He says, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I am with you, with you always. To get to the new thing, we're going to have to walk through some now things. And it's not all that exciting, but it is the reality of the Christian life. This world is broken and is messed up. Bad things happen to good people. But guess what? So does grace. And grace also happens to bad people like you and me. And God is so good even in the middle of our affliction. I love that song we just sang. It just came out a couple weeks ago. There's another in the fire. How good is that? There's a grace for the space between when I'm right in the middle of it. Maybe you didn't grow up in church like I did. 
I'm actually originally from Tulsa, which is like, that's Oklahoma, by the way, if you don't know. There's a whole part of the middle of America. It's very boring. And that's where I, we say things like y'all there. And that's where I, that's where I dwell from, the buckle of the Bible belt. I call it Tulsa Jerusalem. And that's where I'm from. So you may not have grown up in church. But that, that another in the fire is actually speaking of a story uh, from the Old Testament of three young leaders, young Hebrew leaders that were in captivity. And the king said, hey, you have to bow. But they stood for God instead. They didn't conform to this world. And yet they got thrown in the fire in the furnace to kill them. But that which was meant to stop them actually saved them and secured a new place and position of promotion for them. How many know God actually uses the struggles in our life not just to keep us stuck but to move us forward? He's always one step ahead of the enemy. In fact, he's infinitely ahead of the enemy. And so what we think is the end of the dream is actually the beginning of the breakthrough. That's how our God works. And we hear the stories of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There's a furious king who throws them in the fire. His name's Nebuchadnezzar. I'd be furious too if my name was Nebuchadnezzar. Imagine trying to write that in kindergarten, poor guy. Daniel chapter 3, he says, hey, didn't we throw three in the fire? But he's doing the math and there's one more that's there. There's another... There's another in the fire. Look, he told them, verse 25, I see four men and they're walking around untied and unharmed in the, they're right in the middle of it, in the middle of the fire. And the appearance of the fourth one, I don't know how I knew this, but he says, it resembles the son of God. Another one, and then after that, do you know that Nebuchadnezzar has what we would call today a come to Jesus meeting? All of a sudden he realized, wow, this God that they serve is really up to something great. And so what was supposed to be their last day on the earth actually becomes their new day of promotion. God actually takes them out of that fire. And Nebuchadnezzar makes serving God, worshiping God, not just allowable, it's promoted. So what was meant to be a place of pain and of trial actually becomes a place of promotion and a breakthrough. This is how God tends to work. I love it when God takes a person from glory to glory and strength to strength, as the scripture says that he can, and I think that he will. But a lot of times in my life, he takes me from grind to glory, from struggle to strength. I go through some things, and there is the God who meets me in that place. And in fact, that's what I'd love for you to write down if you're taking notes. Very, very simple, but simple things will change your life. They add momentum to your life when they're applied. God actually meets you in the middle. God doesn't wait till you get to the end of a problem. He comes to be in the center of your situation, in the middle of your struggle. I said it before, but let me say it again. When you say yes to Jesus, you are also saying yes to some adversity. But you're also accessing grace to get through whatever you're going through. He graces you. He strengthens you. He meets you. He empowers you. When you choose to live your life, to honor your wife, or to build a great marriage, to raise your kids up to serve God. When you choose to honor God by, by being a giver, uh, you can expect adversity. The enemy doesn't like to attack people that are chosen to stay stuck. He's actually looking. So actually a great sign and a testimony that God's up to something great in your world is when you're coming up against a situation. Because the enemy, he doesn't know the will of God for your life, but he does know the kind of attitudes and behaviors that produce God's best in our life. And so when he starts to see those kind of hearts getting aligned with the will and purpose of their Heavenly Father is when adversity comes. That's why Paul says, count it all joy when you come against various trials. It's actually producing something in you and through you that's far outweighs what you're going through. It's a little quiet for 11 a.m. I thought we got rid of that at the 9 a.m. I guess not. You came back. Just kidding. You guys have an incredible team, by the way. Great church. It's awesome. 
I was trying to think of what I could say to get people to cheer. I was going to say, dolphins, no. Sorry. At least you live in Miami. It's beautiful here. God does His greatest miracles in the middle. It's what you see in the scripture. He doesn't do it at the beginning. He doesn't do it when they've already figured it out on their own, why they wouldn't need Him. He always does it in the middle. So if you're in the middle of something, guess what? You're in the perfect alignment for the hand of heaven to show up. For God to go to work. And if you feel that transition pain right now between the new and the now, in the middle of your struggle, guess what? That's the place where God meets you. And God doesn't always take you out of the fire. Sometimes He reveals Himself in the fire. That's what happened. He actually freed them in the middle of the fire. They had fellowship with the divine in the middle of their fire. They met God. They didn't just stand for Him and were left alone. They weren't just saved. They had an encounter in the fire that they could not have gotten any other, other way. God says, I'll never leave you. I'm always with you. Isn't that assuring? Even though your situations might not feel like the hand of God is showing up, guess what? It's about to. It's about to. You know, my son turned five uh, the other day, about three weeks ago, and one of the guys on staff got him this really cool gift. It's like this cardboard cutout that you put together. You're like, it's a maker thing. Didn't know that was a thing, but you kind of make it, you craft it, you design it, you build it. The problem is it's made for like a 10, 12-year-old, so my five-year-old can't quite quite build it on his own. It says some assemblies required, and all dads here know what that means. How many know that like Christmas Eve is the hardest you've ever worked in your life? <laughs> building everything. And so I'm building this thing. Some assemblies required was a lie from the pit of hell, as we say in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And, uh, and so it's like a part-time job. And so I built it. He's there hanging out with me. He's like, Dad, let's build the robot. What he means is, Dad, you build the robot. I'm going to play video games here, mess around and distract you and so i'm building this thing and i'm 90 minutes in and literally i turn over the page i am one eighth of the way through oh yeah it's a marathon and it's funny i enjoy the time with him it's great to have his presence around i love spending time with him that's great but he doesn't help at all if anything he slows down the whole process i love that he's with me but it'd be a whole lot better if he helped me guess what god isn't just with you God actually helps you in the middle. God loves to go to work in the middle of your even most messed up situations. I love it. Everyone ever hear someone say, oh, you're in our thoughts. I was like, well, your thoughts are not going to pay my bills. If I'm in a fire, I don't need someone's thoughts. I need someone to help put out the, put out the flames. How many know when your car is broken down, you don't need a friend to call shotgun and to play the music. You need someone to help push that hoopty to the shop. You need someone with some jumper cables and some power. That's a friend in your time of need. And God says, I'll be your ever-present help. I'm always there, but I'm also your help in your time of need. I think many of us as believers, maybe you're new to the faith, you, you have the understanding that God's everywhere by His Spirit, and God's living on the inside of us by His Holy Spirit, that He's here. But we need to understand, He's not just with you. He doesn't just put his arm around you in a moment. He actually, his arm and his hand have the ability to do what you can never do in your own power. And one touch from God, one whisper, one, one moment with him can give you the direction you need, the clarity you need, the promotion you need, the healing you need, the restoration you need. He has what you need and he loves to go to work and he normally does it right in the middle of even our worst situation. God, it's actually, you are in his thoughts and he cares about you, but you also have access to his power. 
And some of us, we need to go back to the days we used to believe for miracles again and understand that God still works signs and wonders more often than we sometimes tend to believe for. The other day I was uh, locked out of my um, online banking. I put my password in wrong. You know, I updated my phone and it didn't work. And so I went online to try to figure it out. And they ask you all these security questions. You know what I'm talking about? And some of them were like, I don't remember filling this out. And I was getting them all wrong. And I was having an identity crisis. Like, I don't even know me anymore. And it's like, what did you eat for the first day of kindergarten? I'm like, I don't know. Probably peanut butter and jelly before peanuts were illegal. And I don't know. Who was your best friend in middle school? I put Drew, because that was his name. But it wasn't right. I'm like, did Drew not also answer Drew when it was to me? Now we're not even friends anymore? And so I got locked out, so they gave me a help number to call. I called the number. They transferred me, they transferred me, they transferred me. It was so annoying. I actually went down to the actual bank. And I said, hey, here's the situation. I'm locked out. I need to do this thing online. I got to update this thing. Please help me. They came back and they gave me a card. You know what was on the card? The exact same number I had just called. And it's like, hey, it was great to meet with you. I hope we were of some help. I was like, yeah, you were of some help. Help me waste my time. Help me lose my mind. They're like, help me changing banks right now because you're of no help. I didn't need them just to be there. I need them to be a solution. God doesn't give you just a little nice scripture in the moment. God doesn't just give you the, 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 a reassurance that he's here. He actually has the ability to help. And I think he loves nothing more than showing up and putting his little extra on what you cannot do on your own. And in fact, who gets the glory when you don't know what to do and then God does something in your life? He does. And ultimately, that's why we live our lives, to bring glory to God. So your problem actually is a place for God to perform and God to show up in a way that you would never have experienced if he didn't meet you in the middle and help you in the middle of that place. Why? Because where his presence is, there is his power. His presence and power are always connected. And something beautiful can happen in the in-between place. God's not up in the heavens that you have to climb up to. Not up on a mountain that you have to scale with your good deeds or your self-righteousness. No, he is the God that came down to us. He didn't come down to us once uh, to take the cross. He's now down here by His Spirit, filled with His presence and with His power. He can help you in your place of need. He's right in the middle of your storm. And when He shows up in the storm, the storm is going to settle. Mark chapter 6, the disciples are just trying to obey Jesus. Jesus said, go to the other side. Jesus is spending some time in solitude for a moment. Jesus is probably spending some time in prayer connecting with God. And, and He tells the disciples to do something. They're just trying to obey Jesus. And that's when a great tempest, a great storm rose up on the Sea of Galilee. It's really just a lake. I've been there. In fact, if you've seen it, it's not all that grand or great. In fact, many theologians would think that something about this storm had a demonic nature to it, or it was attack of the enemy. And they are rowing against it, and they think they're going to die in the middle of this, this storm. And this is what it says later that night. There was the boat, and there it is, right in the middle. The Right in the middle of it, right in the middle of the lake. And then Jesus was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. And shortly before dawn, in other words, they've been going all night, he went out to them walking on the lake as Jesus does. He was about to pass them by. But when they saw him at the lake, at first they thought he was a ghost. And then they cried out to him. And he comes to them right in the middle of the storm, gets in their boat and says the storm ceases. I love a couple things that I learned about this. I think you can work in your life if you're in a storm. 
Jesus doesn't always show up in a special way prior to the storm. He actually uses the storm. He doesn't send the storm to teach you a lesson, but he will reveal his nature to you through the problems that you face. In fact, he actually uses the storm water as the platform that he comes to them in a closer way. You know what I'm saying there? God actually can use the situation that you think is causing you so much harm to get to you in a new way, in a closer way, in a more connected way. And I love that he meets them at their place of request. In fact, he says he was rocking on to the other side until they signaled him. And some of us, we've been straining in our own power and ability to try to get through what we're going through. But what we really need to do is put the oars down for a moment and put our hands up and surrender and praise to Jesus. I've got to have you in this place. I cannot do this apart from you. Would you come closer would you come closer to me? And some of you are still struggling because you haven't surrendered. And in fact, the strongest place you could be in a storm isn't in your own strength, but it's to surrender to the one who can do something about that which you are going through. You need to see your middle ground is different. You're there on purpose. There's a destiny place for the middle thing that you are in right now. I love the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3. He was talking about kind of the middle of his ministry and the middle of his life. In fact, we know historically that his life actually is not going to end all that long from the time that he wrote this. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, says, Brothers and sisters, our hey church family, I do not consider myself yet to have taken a hold of it. What's he talking about? He's talking about all that God has called me to. But the one thing I do, I'm forgetting that which is behind, and I, I am straining forward in what is ahead. He's between this place of his past in the future, he says, in the middle of this, I'm just going to choose to press into the more. In the middle of what I am. In fact, he's in jail at the time that he wrote this. And he says, there's been some things about my past I want to forget. We all know this, that he used to persecute the church. And then he's the apostle, of sent one, a messenger to the church. And he built churches in places where people never heard the name of Jesus. And miracles and signs and wonders. Let alone the writings of the New Testament, these these epistles, these letters he wrote, that we get a revelation of grace. In fact, the time he wrote this, he'd already written Romans and First and Second Corinthians and so much more. It shows us all of what the cross means to our lives daily. Came through the revelation that he had. He said, you know what, I still forget all that. That, that stuff's all great and fine, but I, I got something more on the horizon for me. Although he's in chains, about to lose his life, he says, I'm learning how to press in for the even more. I just want to speak to some of you here that have been following Jesus for a longer season. You think that your best days of serving, of leading, of giving, of worshiping, of helping reach people. How many Easter's on the horizon. Easter is not a church celebration. It's an opportunity to live out the mission of God. It's a moment where your friends and family will actually come to church. Even strangers will come to church with you and hear the message that matters the most. And so I just want to encourage some of you, if the Apostle Paul hadn't settled in for the end of his life, neither do you get a chance to. There's so much more. In fact, your greatest work and greatest contribution to the cause of Christ is just on the horizon. No matter what your age or stage of life, if you just choose to press in a little bit more, there's a city that needs a Savior. There's a nation that needs to re-reach. And that's why God has us in the middle on purpose. God has a mission in the middle. Maybe so many people here are a little older than me, but I don't remember a time when our nation's been more divided. I don't remember a time where people were more outspoken about what they're against than ever before. You are either anti or you're pro, and there is no middle ground. I mean, think about our politics. Think about a racial divide. 
Think about what, and so many of us as believers, foolishly, I think we've entered into this argument about stuff. Yeah, and yes, it matters, but not about, it doesn't matter the most. And some of us, we can lose our opportunity for Christ's message to come through us because we're divided. And yet God has kept us in the middle. I want you to be passionate about what you believe. And I think we should be passionate about our nation. We take a stand for what you believe. And you might believe differently than me. But what we do believe here today is that Jesus is above everything. And he is the primary focus of our lives. And the only solution, really lasting solution to this broken world that we're in. There's a mission to know why. God has a church in the middle. That's why we are here. I love Ephesians chapter 1 from the message. It says, The church you see is not peripheral. It's not on the outside of the world. The world is around the church. In other words, the church is at the center of it all. It's all about the church. What's the church? It's Christ's body. It's the representation of Jesus on the earth. It's what he speaks and acts by. It's which he fills everything with his presence. And some of us, we think we get away for Sunday at the 11 o'clock and we get out of the world and into church, but it's the opposite. We get here to get energized and on mission. We get here to go to growth track and to get in a group. We get here to, 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 to find out about our place of purpose and destiny. Why? So we can go there and be right in the middle of a hurting humanity. We didn't, I grew up in a church culture where like everything was of the devil. Do you remember those days? Come on, of the de- everything was of the devil. We had secular music of the devil, and then Christian music. A.K. We had good music and Christian music. Days have changed; it's gotten a little bit better. But if we didn't agree with something, we just called it evil and we pushed it away. Aren't you thankful Jesus didn't push us away when we were evil, trapped in sin, far from Him? That He. He didn't push at us at a distance, but he came, he washed our feet, he went to the cross. He's the friend of sinners, and that's what the church is supposed to be. If we leave our place and position in the middle, so does the presence is gone. The presence is there. Without the presence, there isn't power. Without the presence, there isn't salvation for humanity. You have to stay right in the middle. That's why God has us here. And remember, we don't conform to the world. We transform the world. But there's no transformation power without the presence of Jesus. And that is us. This is why you belong in a church. This is why you need to get on this, on this team. The church has to be a place of presence, of purpose, and friend, not of preference. I like the music there, but I like the teaching there. No, you need to know where can I align my life and my leadership, my giving, and my serving. Where is the best place for me to live out the mission of Jesus? And I think right here at Calvary, this is your place. Right here in this Easter season, this is our time to see hundreds of lives transformed in a single day. I want to live my life not for the celebration of man, but for a celebration in eternity. So the way we live, the way we give, the way that we serve, the way that we love, the way that we invite, it matters. Why God has a church in the middle. He's left us in the middle on purpose. I think about the story in number 16. Sin is broken out in God's people. And Moses finds himself in the middle. There's a, a plague running through the camp. And he goes and grabs the incense on the altar, which represents the presence of God. It represents worship and praise. And he begins to swing that in the middle of those that are dying and lost and those that are saved. And he's right in the middle. And it says that he stands between the living and the dead. That's what the church is. 
We've got the presence. We've got the praise. God is looking for some people that can praise Him in the middle of what they're going through. That even though you might be in the middle of your own storm, you're not thinking about yourself. You're thinking about what can God do through me in this season. And we get to stand between the living and, and the dead. Why? Humanity needs people. God's looking for people that will take their place of purpose right in the middle. I think about the story in 2 Samuel 21. I know I'm going fast. I'm just excited. And I've been hanging around too many Cubans too long. I'm talking really fast. <laughs> talking really, really fast. I got a lot of coffee, Cubanos in me. It's great. And uh, <laughs> it's good to have fun in church, by the way. Second Samuel 21, there's this one man who just refuses to give up his position. No one else wants that place. But he says, now God's promise, this is the promised land. I'm going to hold this place. And his name's Shama. It's amazing. One of David's mighty men. Literally, he's in a field of lentils, of beans. Nobody wants. All the rest of them leave. And he just says, I'll stand my ground. And overwhelming odds of adversity, he finds himself in the middle of a fight. Naturally speaking, he cannot win. But he holds his ground. Verse 12, Shama took his stand, what? In the middle. And right in the middle of it. In the middle of a field. Field of beans. No one wants this. What good? You can't even have beans anymore. They're not keto, okay? This is why I've been gaining some weight. It's why we're all black. I'm not trying to be Johnny Cash up here. I'm trying to look thin. You guys are all thin. He took his stand in the middle and he defended it and struck down the enemy down. And the Lord says, he defended. In other words, he fought, but says, then the Lord brought great victory. God was just looking for someone to take a stand. They refused to run. In the middle of something no one else wanted. Everyone thought it was ordinary. That's why they retreated to what was seen as a more significant fight. And this is why God has you in the middle. What you think is mundane, your Monday, your, your normal life, your marriage, you don't think it's all that spectacular. God says, no, I need you to take your stand there. Because my, my glory is seen in the midst of your daily life, not just your Sunday life, not just even the Easter celebration. It's your everyday life as a platform and a ministry for this world. We need you to hold your ground. Shama, his name literally means, I'll be there. I'll be faithful. I'll stay there. You know, it's one of the names of God too. Jehovah Shama. God says, I'll be there. I'll be there in your celebrations. I'll be there in your struggles. I'll be there in your hardships. I'll be there in your breakthroughs. I'll be there. He's the God that holds the ground with us. And you'll find that if you live your life choosing not to surrender in middle places, normally as it might seem, as unspectacular as it might be to the people around you, it is a place of unbelievable miracle and power if you hold that place in the middle. God has extraordinary things, even in your ordinary life. Your mundane life can become such a ministry to those around you. And I want to tell somebody today, you need to hear this. There's a miracle for you even in the middle of your own mess. Some of the storms we in, we've created. And yet God still, with His endless love and mercy for us, comes and meets us in the middle. Aren't you thankful for Jesus, the middle man? He is the great mediator between God and man. He came and was in the middle of our mess and His perfection and paid the price for us. I love the story of the cross. We take it for granted sometimes what He did for us. John 19, 18 says, There they crucified him, and with him two other men, one on either side and Jesus in between. Calvary Church, can we always just keep it about Jesus? About Jesus in between. Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians that some are looking for miraculous signs, and we believe in power of miracles, but we don't chase miracles. We live for Jesus. Some look for wisdom and understanding, and that's great. We should know what we believe, and we should be well tested and it comes to the word of God it's powerful we don't worship the Bible we worship Jesus and Jesus is right in the middle 
and we can drop some of our preferences of our church background and we can stay in the middle on the mission of Jesus because there's a miracle when we stay in the middle and we get things as simple as it can be. It's about Jesus and Jesus is all about people. So at Calvary Church, us together, we're about Jesus and people. That's what we care about. And God will meet your needs when you live for him and live to help other people. Jesus in between. It's right there in the middle. You know, these two men were there for the same reason. They caused rebellion and attack, probably murderers and thieves against the Roman Empire. They were there for the same reason. And yet one has a moment of surrender to Jesus and one ridicules Jesus. And the one that stands up for Jesus and tells the other one, hey, back down, there's something, something different about this guy. He's innocent. Jesus turns to him and says, hey, today you'll be with me in paradise. I love that. Now, Jesus' worst day, hardest day, the hardest day in humanity's history. No God there for him anymore. Him alone in the middle of our mess that we would create. And he takes our place. And yet it's still a day of ministry to somebody else. He said, you're going to be with me in paradise. Of course, that man dies that day and goes on to be eternity with, with Jesus. And yet when we are born again, we don't go to paradise immediately. We're here, even in this broken world. And yet, we're not with Him in eternity, but He's with us. Doing something through us and in us that, listen, matters for eternity. I don't know what you're facing. You're not alone in it. God meets you here. I don't know what you've tried to do in your own ability that hasn't worked, but God's power is about ready to show up. There's a reason why you've been going through it. Even if you did it yourself, God's going to turn around. He can turn all things together for His good. Your good, your purpose in your life. And He has a mission for you in the middle of your everyday, ordinary life. Because why? Jesus loves to be at the center of us, the center of our struggle. And He actually gets a great testimony. There's another one in the fire with you. There's another one in the water. There's another one with you, and He's here right here right now. But I'd like to take a moment and pray. Pray for what you're going through. You bow your heads and close your eyes, and it's not out of religious duty, just to give sanctuary to the person next to you, for you to maybe just talk to God for a moment, meet with Him. I'd like to pray for people that are going through it right now. You're right in the middle of it and you need help. Maybe you're like the disciples and you've been trying everything in your own ability and you're make, making no progress. Maybe the storm has actually gotten worse. We're going to have a moment of surrender and say, Jesus, we just need you. God, meet me. God, work with me. God, help me. God, strengthen me. God, do what only you can do. Maybe you've had anxious thoughts or depression. Maybe addiction. Maybe just insecurity or lack of direction. Maybe it's a health crisis. You've tried everything, your own ability or your doctor's ability, and you need a healer. I'm not promising you a miracle. I am promising you God will show up. That's His nature. It's what He wants to do. It's what He will do. It's who He is. In fact, if you're here right now, I just want to pray for you. The power's not in my prayer. The power's in the name of Jesus. We're going to lift up His name. If you're here and you're going through a storm right now, you're going through a struggle, you're right in the middle, you just lift up your hand. Say, that's me, it's me, that's me, it's me, it's me. Dozens of people have their hand up. It's awesome. Thank you for your humility. Thank you for the honor of being in this moment with you. The Bible says he gives grace to the humble. In fact, there's an avenue of his favor and grace that only shows up when we surrender. You just did that, so we're going to believe his grace is showing up. His grace is his gift, it's his power, and it helps you. Believers around, can you just, in your own words, just pray? Let's build faith in this room. Let's believe. I'm not saying there's a miracle right now, but I'm saying, why not? Why not God do what only He can do right here, right now? He's already working in hearts. I believe that. 
Let's pray. Father God, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus. You have not forgotten people in their place of pain or in their problem, but you are ever present and you are here to help. So God, I thank you that your power, which is actually made perfect when we don't have enough, it's made perfect in our weakness, we can turn to you and you're more than enough. So Lord of heaven, I thank you that your hand, it's strong, it's here, and it's going to work. And even if we've created the situation ourselves with our own struggles or sins, you're still showing up because you're that good. I speak healing over physical bodies in Jesus' name. I speak restoration over broken places in our life. I think that marriages are coming back to life. I thank you that sons and daughters are returning back to fathers and mothers. You have reconciliation in this place. I pray direction and clarity of purpose and calling. And Holy Spirit, you direct their steps in Jesus' name. I thank you for fear and anxiety that in the name of Jesus, it has to bow and it has to leave. I thank you that right now faith is rising up to believe again for the God of miracles to show up in the middle of our mess. And Lord, like only you can meet them in their fire, meet them in their storm, settle the storms and deliver them from that place of conflict or pain. And we believe it ahead of time and we celebrate ahead of time because we have a God who is good and faithful. And if you haven't brought the victory yet, it's because you're still working it for something great in us and through us. And so we trust you in the meantime, in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe that, can we just celebrate for a moment? Say, thank you, God. You've got what I need. You're the God who's for me. You're the God who's with me. You're the God who's got more than enough power to take care of all I'm going through. In Jesus' name. Why don't we stand to our feet? We're going to sing a song in just a moment. We'll get you out of here in just a second. But I want to give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus Christ. Unless He is, listen, at the middle of your life, the center of it all. He can't be on the outside. Unless He's the most important relationship in your life, you are missing the whole meaning of life. It's not to know about God. It's not to come around church. It's to know Jesus. To know about God, that is religion. To know Jesus, that is, that is being saved. That's salvation. And I believe there's some people in this room, you've never surrendered to Jesus. Maybe you grew up around church, but now is your time to say yes to that being the most important relationship. Some of you, you, you said yes before, but you've wandered off, you've been doing your own thing. It's time to come back home. He wants to receive you with open arms and your future is so bright in Him. Just one quick moment, we bow our heads again just to give some sanctuary again. If you're here, here's what we're going to We're all going to pray together as one big spiritual family. We're going to pray to support you because we think this is the most amazing part of church and, and it's the beginning of the best days of your life. For life is going to have meaning and life is going to have purpose because Jesus, Jesus is what life is all about. And if you're here and you need a fresh start with Jesus, a fresh start with Him, maybe for the very first time, say yes to His love and yes to His grace. No one look around, just... Give people space. If that is you, we're going to pray all together. We're not going to single you out in any way. We just want to know who we're praying with. If that's you and you're ready for a fresh start, when I count to three, can you just lift up your hand and say, that's me, Kyle. I'm ready for a fresh start with Jesus. One, you know that you need a Savior. Two, you know that He is good and He is for you. Three, you're ready to give your life to Him. Can you lift up your hand here? Anybody see one hand, two hands, three hands, four hands, five hands, six hands, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, and the way back. Come on. It's a day of salvation for you. I might have missed your hand, but God saw your heart, and that's all that matters. Hey, church, eyes wide open now. Can we pray together as one big family? I love praying sometimes with eyes wide open because we have a God that can, says you can look at me face to face. And we can do it with a smile on our face because He is that good. Say this with me all together. Support our friends. Say, thank you, God, for being so good to me. 
I was far from you, trapped in my mistakes, trapped in sin. But you sent Jesus. He's a rescuer. He went to the cross. He died for me. He paid the price for my sin. He rose from the grave so I could have grace. I'm in a new family now. God, you're my father. Jesus, you're my savior. Holy Spirit, you're my leader. From today on, I'm living for you above all else in Jesus' name. Come on, Calvary. Let's celebrate everyone who said yes to Jesus. Hey, God bless you guys. Love you all.